0: The captain's run with Sam Edmund.
1: Well, the first of the buy rounds has given us a big inclusion and a big exclusion. Meanwhile, there's a Dow playing, but it's Thompson rather than Paddy. And all eyes go to the MCG tonight for a Friday night offering that spells more doom for the loser. The Blues coming off six losses in seven, a week of board upheaval, and the other demons they must face in a few hours their very own, in front of goal and inside 50. Michael Voss this week, well, he spoke of the need for his club to stand its ground. Now, it was a message lived by the captain, Patrick Cripps, during the week and by Harry Mackay in an almost confessional podcast. I did like that from Harry. But the stand your ground mantra now needs to be lived on the field against Melbourne. Now, by the numbers over the past month, as Lee Montagna told us on AFL 360 last night, the Blues sit second for contested ball, fourth for time in forward half, and are the second best team for defending opposition ball movement. So how do they calm the farm inside 50? How do they go from seemingly being fearful of missing to relaxing
2: and converting?
1: The MCG in front of... 60-odd thousand, not the ideal
2: setting, but this is their path. I think we've just got to keep going into depth around our, around our game plan. Um, you know, clearly, uh, we need to be able to, to execute for a little longer. Um, there's still some things we need to be able to clean up in our game to be able to get us to take that next step. So we've uh, been up against some really good opposition. Um, so that's sort of tested a few phases of our game, and that hasn't all quite come together. Um, we've certainly made some, some steady progress. We'd like to make a, a bit more progress um tomorrow melbourne have lost two in a
1: row by close margins just to cause some worry among the red and blue faithful they are good worries, the melbourne fraternity simon goodwin spoke of his frustration earlier in the week but scoring is not the issue goody says despite the personnel uncertainty in their front
2: half if you look at where we sit i think we're number one for scoring so scoring certainly hasn't been a, an issue but now, in terms of the forward line mix, we're continuing to look at ways where we can maximise both ends of the ground um, from a personnel perspective. So we'll continue to have a look at that. But as I said, you know, scoring hasn't been our biggest issue. You know, the last two weeks, you know, we played a really strong defensive team in, in Fremantle, and and Port Adelaide was a really wet night at Adelaide Oval. So, um, you know, as I said, we need to keep perspective in where we're at. Um, we're the number one scoring team. We'll continue to look at how we get better and. You know, the mix of that is is one of those things. But, you know, it's certainly not something that's really, um, you know, at the forefront of my mind and causing me huge concerns. As I said, scoring's not our biggest issue in the game right now. one three
1: hundred seven three six seven three six Friday Night Football, seven games only, but the first one is a talking point. Great to have you along once again for the captain's run for state transport. Our people are your solution. And a big welcome... To our new partners here on the Captain's Run, Eastside Skoda. Get on the good side at Eastside Skoda. Beautiful car and great to have them on board. We welcome them in this morning. Elsewhere, Tarrant Thomas has been named on an extended bench by North Melbourne. Now, the criteria seemingly met now in regards to his respectful behaviour training and education programs, this would now appear to be a football decision. And if you can make that distinction, whether you agree with it or not, this is very much a decision now for the interim coach, Brett Ratton, and his staff. I think, personally, that he has to play this week, given the club has been satisfied with his off-field progress. That will be confirmed by the close of business today. The standards club set is also on the agenda at the Gold Coast this week. The Suns have made the decision to suspend their number five pick from the 2021 Draft Mac Andrew for missing a recovery session up in Darwin after an increasingly sloppy level of professionalism. A wake-up call, if you will. So a message to Mac, but also a message to the entire team. I like that. And what happens when the captain isn't in the best 22? Now, Port Adelaide are navigating that high-wire conversation with their skipper, Tom Jonas, right now. What has been the elephant in the room at Alberton is now out in the open with what Ken Hinkley yesterday admitted was A big call and a significant call. Jonas has been suspended twice. He's been managed once and now left out for what the club admits is form reasons. And if you needed just a little example of the difference in life between a top of the table club like Collingwood and a club tying itself in knots like Carlton, look no further than Collingwood captain Darcy Moore's revelation with Dwayne Russell yesterday that the assistant coach Justin Lepich braids Darcy's hair in backline meetings. The good and the bad of the week, the termination of the independent investigation into racism allegations at Hawthorne further exposed the nasty side of the game. But on Wednesday night, that gave way to the heartwarming side of the game in the form of the mid-season draft. Second chances and first chances for those who thought it might never come. The open line is for EFS, of course, delivering simple freight solutions. You are welcome to join us right throughout the day. one 736 736 The 40 Winks temper is 433 981116 On the show today, the McCafe menu, right off the top, I'm just going to come out and declare it. Schnitz are joining us today. As Schnitz is back. And I apologise for this. But I'm just a little bit excited that our next scheduled visit is due today. Magnificent. If you've never been, you're missing out. They're brilliant. And this show is all the better for the support of those crumbed chicken magicians. Nick Del Sando from our great call team at AFL Nation, the St Kilda champs and Kilda AFLW coach, of course, 322 AFL games at a couple of clubs, probably teaches you a thing or two about this game. So we are in good hands for our weekend preview with Dal shortly, actually. And Hawthorne head of football, Rob McCartney will join us now. Althong coach Sam Mitchell yesterday told us you'd want to grab a ticket for this game against Port Adelaide. It's going to be exciting, Sam says. So two in a row for the Hawks, and they have been exciting, fueled by this Generation Next midfield. And they've got Port Adelaide tomorrow with the power hunting. What would be a club record ninth consecutive win? Caleb Poulter's going to jump on. I didn't mention this with Kane and Kingy earlier. Today's day one for Caleb at the Western Bulldogs. The former Collingwood player given a second chance in the AFL midseason rookie draft on Wednesday night. Really looking forward to catching up with Caleb. We're going to touch base with ESPN's Kane Pittman now. Uh, He's over in Denver at the moment. And he's going to be back on the line uh, from Ball Arena this morning ahead of game one of the NBA finals between the Nuggets and the Miami Heat. Big business, this might not be the matchup that some basketball aficionados may have wanted but there are storylines everywhere and we'll flesh those out with Kane in a little bit. Speaking of the finals, Andy Harper's going to run us through what matters ahead of the A-League Grand Final. That's tomorrow night between Melbourne City and Central Coast. There's an FA Cup final that follows that to be decided between the red and blue halves as Manchester as well. Cam Luke is our more than capable fill-in for our Balinese holidaying regular Miles Fitzner and there's plenty more to come one 736 736 A break, and we'll be back with Nick Del Sando shortly. Let's
0: get off to a good start.
2: Win the morning,
1: win the day. I oh know it's night time. That doesn't make any sense. Well, it's time to go to the team at AFL Nation. Nick Del Sando's with us. St Kilda champs, St Kilda AFLW coach and 322 AFL games, teaches you just a little bit about this game. So we're in good hands this morning. Nick Del Sando, though, welcome to you. Win the dusk, win the night. Doesn't have the same ring to it, though, does it? <laughs>
3: A very good morning to you, Sammy. Uh, no, it doesn't. Um, first of all, it's lovely to be back from an AFLW perspective. We've had quite a bit of time off, which we absolutely needed. And mm. we walked out onto the training track a few nights ago. And I was up and about, really excited, and I was clearly mic'd up and knew there were some people around, and absolutely butchered the <laughs> intro. But um, no, it's all good, mate. It's it's really exciting for. You know, all women players in the footy clubs getting back involved um, on an official capacity. Um, given we've had about seven odd months off, and we're back into it, ready to go pre-season.
1: Yeah. How the, the girls uh, loving it? Excitement levels must be through the roof. And you got some new faces at this point as well, or? Yeah,
3: they are. It, I mean, I remember
1: this sort of moment as
3: well as a player. It's like your first day of school again. You haven't seen your best friends, and mm. everyone's really excited. You want to now. There's a little bit of anxiousness as well, given you're not quite sure where your fitness levels are at and we're going to have a fitness test in the next couple of days just to really put a measurement on it. So there's a few that are probably a little bit nervous, but overall, you know, there's every list has 30 players. So you get to roll out and play footy with 29 of your uh, friends for the next, you know, six or seven months of your life. So life's pretty good, I reckon.
1: Yep, indeed. Uh, And Steph Giochi as well. Can I ask you about her? Yeah, you can. Um, She's a ripper.
3: She's Excited. She's enthusiastic. She's highly intelligent from a football perspective. So really looking forward to working with her closer than mm. we probably had in the last couple of months since she signed with the Saints. Um, but she's going to have a huge impact and a positive impact on our group, I reckon.
1: All right, we'll go over to the men. Who wins the night tonight? I mean, Carlton, six of the last seven uh, they've dropped. Turbulence at Selection, of course. The Demons have lost two in a row themselves. Still no Clayton Oliver. I mean, these are, these are high stakes for around 12 meetings. Yeah,
3: they are, absolutely. And, you know, probably more higher stakes for probably the Blues, given the ladder position that they're at right now, sitting in 13th position. Um, The Ds are in fourth. It's a funny one, isn't it, Sammy? Even sort of to pose that question, that's a big game. It's probably based on the expectation that we expect more from the Ds, to be honest. If you're going to put me on the spot, I'm going with the Ds. I think the Ds get it done tonight. I probably can't even tell you how. I think it's going to be one of those just got to get the job done sort of nights. Like, it's got to be a gritty... Big deep um, performance, and I reckon when it comes down to that sort of measurement, I'm going to back in the D's just a little bit more than the Blues tonight. But it, it's been tough. There's, there's no tiptoeing around it from a Blues perspective. You know, life's been hard, and they've had some issues in the last week off field, which probably just adds to the storyline. And you know, when, when we speak, Sammy, we've spoken about the Blues. You know, every time that we've had these sort of chats, mm. you know, I always refer to the on field and and the playing group and. The responsibility or lack of responsibility that this playing group has had and shown. Um, I, I think they've got all the talent in the world, which is a really dangerous word in footy because talent only takes you so far. But there's clearly, you know, some players that need to step up as individuals. But as a collective, got to find a way to get the job done. And it's going to be a huge challenge for them tonight.
1: Harry Mackay is just living a nightmare in front of goal at the moment, as we know. And I thought the way he spoke about his mental state this week, Della, not only yeah. you know the way his form in front of goal affects him, but those around him, and he, he included his family in that as well, uh, and the way that they have to wear what he does on the field in, in a game of football. I mean, I, I thought incredibly brave of him. The game has come a long way, hasn't it, with a player opening himself up like that?
3: Yeah, it has. And I think it's the right thing that we're, you know, probably in a world where we can talk a little bit about it. I still feel, you know, the tradition of football is we keep a lot to ourselves and we don't disclose or, or you know, make ourselves be vulnerable. But, I mean, the hard thing for Harry is the footy world knows it. And, you know, you can't hide from it because it's, you know, you know, in every paper, and you know, our radio station, we're happy to talk about it quite a lot. So I, I think that's the reality of the situation. If you try and tiptoe around it, mm. I, I think you're probably only compounding the situation. I, I, I can't recall a time, Sam, in, in my time in footy, in 25-odd years, whatever it is, that someone's had these issues and significant issues in front of goal like he has. Um, well, I feel for him. You know, it must be a dreadful feeling and... If I try and relate it to golf and probably most people's golf games, when you're standing over the golf ball and you don't know which direction it's going, it's a pretty bad feeling. It's a scary feeling. Yeah. And unfortunately, Harry's got that in front of goals. And there's been a million suggestions on what he should do and what Michael Voss should do from here. I think there's a simple answer. It's going to take a little bit of work. But just to take that pressure away from him, he's got a unique skill set and an ability to take some really good contested marks, I would have no hesitation just moving him up the ground a little bit. Does that mean that he won't have shots at goal? No, because I still think he has you know, a responsibility to the team to provide that option forward of the footy. But there's no reason he can't play the old traditional centre-half forward and, and get up the ground a little bit, take some of those big clunks and compete through the middle of the ground and be the one that delivers the footy inside forward 50. It's a thumping kick and... If I'm Kerno in front of the ball and Harry Mackay's got it on centre wing, it's landing comfortably inside 50 and allows him to go to work.
1: Yeah, I mean, Kerno's kicking's been a bit off of late as well, so Harry's not exactly on his own. They've just got to find a way. Their numbers have been good in regards to just about everything else over the last month. They've just got to find a way to calm the farm when they get themselves inside 50, not just shots for goal, but obviously decision-making inside the arc as well. Hey, Del, speaking of the game changing, I mean, not sure if you heard this, but Darcy Moore's revelation yesterday that Justin Lepic braids his hair in backline meetings. I mean, did Ross Lyon ever play with James Gwilt's, you know, afro in meetings down there at Moorabbin? (laughs) Um, no, the simple
3: answer is no. Um, and maybe that's, uh, maybe I was playing in the uh, prehistoric dinosaur age or something because, no, oh, Ross geez. Lyon, I can't recall ever doing that. And I will go on record by saying I don't think Ross Lyon ever will, Sam, I don't think that's in his um, repertoire. Um, I do recall a time a long, long time ago under Grant Thomas when Xavier Clark, who was, um, mm. a, who's a good friend of mine now working at Richmond, turned up with um, braids. And Grant Thomas said to him, "I don't reckon you'll have them next week." <laughs> and that's about as far as that feedback then went. And sure enough, Xavier Clark turned up next week with no, you know, with nothing fancy in his hair.
1: I love it. Uh, it's just the seven games this week, of course. The buys, which I'll ask you about a little bit later on, kicking in this week, Dale. But the Bulldogs' Geelong game's huge on the Saturday night. I mean, is it only injuries behind the drop-off at the Cattery? Do you think? I mean, the midfield, it must be said, has been wiped out. They're having one of those seasons. But how do we? Yeah. How are we to assess the reigning Premier?
3: Um, Well, they sit in 10th position right now, and I think to their own admission, haven't had the start and then probably the last month that that they would have liked. Um, The the funny bit is, Sam, I reckon for the last seven years, we've all been saying they're too old, they're Mm. too slow, you know, father time's going to catch up with them, and they've proved us wrong, you know, time and time again. I know they didn't win every one of those premierships, but they won last year maybe, and I'm just throwing it out, maybe this is that year that, you know, that we've all thought, okay, it has to happen at some stage. I think it's been compounded severely by, you know, the injuries. I think, and Joel Selwood's only one player, but I, I think the significance of what he's able to do within the game has slightly changed the group. And, you know, maybe Joel's impact, you know, physically on the game wasn't what it was a decade or so ago when he was at his absolute peak, but, I think he made them walk a little bit taller. They played a system that he demanded maybe a little bit more than the group that's there right now. Now, by saying that, Dangerfield and a handful of those guys that are still around, not all playing, I understand, at the moment. I think it does slowly just chip away a little bit, but... I still think the cats, on evidence of what we've seen over the last 20 years, have the ability to turn this around. It's not over for them just yet.
1: Yep, yep. And the news uh, yesterday that Cam Guthrie needs surgery on that turf toe, so he's going to be out for several months as well. Uh, Tom Jonas, um, Nick, I wanted to ask about over at Port Adelaide has has been the elephant in the room for much of the season in the sense that he's just far, far away from being a lock in the best 22 when he's the captain. So a massive call to be left out after he's available from suspension. how difficult would that be for him and for the club to potentially uh, navigate? And it must be said that the coach, Ken inkley spoke about it with, uh, with uh, I think, remarkable openness yesterday.
3: Yeah, uh, there's, it's a difficult one. I can only imagine those sort of conversations, Sammy, that you have to have with someone that you respect so highly that you know, has been a pivotal part of your playing group. There's also a piece about it that, And footies like this at times, Sandy. Whatever's best for the team, you have to do. And they're awkward conversations and they're pretty crappy at times because it's someone that you respect and value so highly and has such an influence on your group. But my take on that is, and, and being a coach, if it's the best thing for the team and it's the best thing at that time, you've just got to make that call and be open and honest, as I'm sure Ken would be. And then it's the player's responsibility to accept it and get to work on the areas that he needs to work on, or you can go down the other path and, you know, poor me and nothing sort of changes. So right. it's never a nice situation. Like even when you have to tell, you know, someone that's on the fringe, you know, week to week that they don't get to play footy. Um, they're difficult conversations and you don't, you know, you don't love having to have those conversations, but it's a part of the game, let alone someone that's your captain.
1: Just another player who was left out of their team at the weekends, Mac Andrew up at the Gold Coast. Now, these would have been difficult conversations as well. So this is a a number five pick in the 2021 National Draft. And the Suns think he will be an absolute star, athletic, 201 centimetre defender left out of the side for disciplinary reasons, Dally. Mr. Recovery has been battling with professionalism a a little bit, nothing major, but just bits and pieces here and there that the Suns wanted to nip in the bud. So these conversations, particularly with your younger players coming in to set a standard, um, how are we to read that particular situation with a a high pick and and a big talent coming in, uh, having to sit it out for for disciplinary reasons?
3: I love that one, Sammy. I honestly do. I have no issue and would support that at, at any level. If you don't fall in line, you don't do what the game and what the team requires, you don't get to play footy. And it's as simple as that. And if you need a set of precedents or you need to set an example earlier on in a player's career, let alone for the playing group, then I think those things need to be done. I don't know what stories have been like previously at the Suns. Um, you know, We're going back quite a while where there was some you know whispers and stories about people in in uh, higher positions at their footy club, at the very top of their playing list that weren't doing everything that other teammates were doing. And that filters through. And the, the people that recognise this the most are teammates. And if you've got someone like this again, like Mac Andrew, who's missing things and whatever they've signed up to, Sammy, whatever they believe in and what they've agreed to that they must do to be the footy club they want to be, if you don't do it, then you can't just let that stuff slide. It's such a shocking example. And the players being the teammates, are well aware of this. They yeah. see it more than anybody else. So I'm I'm all for that sort of standard. And if that's what they've agreed to at the Suns and someone hasn't done it, then that's the ramification.
1: Yep. No, I agree with you 100%. Uh, buys as a player, how did you navigate the buys Dale, the week off? Were you one for total disengagement? <laughs>
3: I've had a couple of different um, examples. I'll, I'll share one from 2009, Tammy. So we are going about quite a while. Mm. Saints. We'd won 11 or 12 in a row, whatever it was. Um, when we had that buy, and about 10 of us went to Early Beach for pretty much a mid-season football trip because life was going pretty well. Um, so I've had those <laughs> examples. Yeah, I always trained. Now, that's, um, we literally did go up there, but we trained, you know, three or four of the days out of the seven. I think there's a real balancing act of mentally and physically getting away from the game, but also never disengaging enough where your body's compromised at any stage. So... Um, whatever the program said, we always did. Um, it just didn't mean that you had to do it in Melbourne. So it was always nice just to try and find some sun in yeah. the middle
1: of the year. Yeah, 100%. Hey, Nick, great to chat, mate. Uh, best of luck with the AFLW program, of course, and we'll be listening to you right across the AFL Nation uh, schedule as well as the weekend rolls on. Really appreciate it this morning.
3: Thanks, Emmy. Always appreciate you too. Thanks, mate.
1: Great to have Vanessa Gibson in the newsroom with the latest headlines. Off the text from Alex, so four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen, right here on the captain's run for state transport. Our people are your solution, and our new best friends at Eastside Skoda get on the good side at Eastside Skoda. Alex says, "Isn't Darcy Moore's candour so refreshing? He's leading the charge in how to be a great media performer. Have you seen anyone better in their first year as the face of a club? He's a ripper, Alex. He's so relaxed." So entertaining. He he gives a bit without giving away state secrets. He's just a man very, very comfortable in his own skin and clearly highly intelligent as well, just so happens to be. In the form of his life as well at the moment for the high flying pies. In fact, uh, in fact, on that front, Maddie's dropped us a similar text. Can we just lock in Darcy Moore for captain of the year, leading on and off the field, All Australian contention and top of the ladder? Are there any other captains close to Moore at this stage? Well, of course, you don't. History says you don't have to be a captain of your club to be a captain of the All Australian side. But if we are to play along with you, Maddie, yep, I've got Darcy Moore right there. Some of the other captains of their club that would perhaps. Be in the conversation throughout the second half of the year for uh, captaincy uh, rights to the All-Australian team. Marcus Bontempelli is obviously in and around the mix at the moment. Um, uh, Jordan Dawson, I think, has had an amazing year at the Adelaide Crows. Toby Green, Ditto, at the Giants as a new captain there. So they're the sort of guys in and around the mark at the moment, I would have thought. Um yeah, I reckon at the moment they'd absolutely have Darcy Moore. I did note Darcy Moore uh, is the captain at the moment of Brad Johnson's rolling all Australian team, which uh, which features heavily on SEN throughout the week uh, as well. And what about those that have faced and potentially conquered their goal kicking yips? So Nick Del Santo said he hadn't seen anything like it uh, when it comes to Harry McKay at the moment, given the publicity surrounding Harry. Um, this came through from Johnny Lindsay. Thomas went through a shocking goal-kicking rut back in the day. I'm thinking of Travis Cloak, obviously, had his battles long-term in front of the sticks. Uh, Joe Danaher, I think, has had his battles. So maybe those who have been down a similar path to Harry Mackay, 4 33, 98 11 16 A bit of love for Jordan Dawson off the text as well. And uh, for Australian captain, this one came through from Ben over in Adelaide. And I had to look it up. Benny, you're absolutely spot on. Uh, Tom Jonas not named in Port's Sandful side, The Magpies for their clash against Woodville West Torrens at Alberton this weekend. You're dead right. He's not. I'm not sure if there's a bit of lag with that decision or not. But he's not in the team named on the Sanford website at the moment. Having said that, though, Quinton they've uh, they've piloted into that squad. He's on a half-forward flank, having crossed from Essendon's VFL team. So can't actually explain that for you there, Benny. But no, he has not been named. And playing the devil's advocate off the text. In the VFL, Callum Brown averages 32.3 disposals, Reece Matheson 31.9, and Paddy Dow averages 31.7. Just because you get a lot of the ball in the twos, Doesn't make you a guarantee walk-in for the AFL team. Of course, a lot of anticipation around Paddy Dow and mystery. I think it's fair to say that uh, he can't force his way into this side, even with the glut of injuries the Blues are confronting at the moment. This from uh, Dirk. Very big danger game from Melbourne. The Blues have not beaten the Ds since round 22-2016. Melbourne has won the last seven encounters. All the pressure is on Melbourne. Don't write off the baggers. And a strong take here from Steve up on the sunny coast before we break. Having the best player as captain is not working at Carlton. It didn't work with Judd or Murphy, and it's not working now. Cripps could do with being released from the rigours of captaincy. The off-field stuff is getting to him, and it's hitting him hard. There's a bit of recency bias there, Steve. He did win the Brownlow medal last year as captain of the football club. But uh, I read out your text, as I will, with... Just about all of them. I won't say all, just about all. 0433981116 is a forty wings temper. The open line is for EFS. They deliver simple freight solutions. Plenty of love for Toby Green too for the All Australian captaincy. We can sprinkle that out throughout the rest of the show, but we need to pause because on the other side of this break, we're going to hear from the Hawthorne head of football, Rob McCartney. Been a big week off the field for the Hawks, but the football side flying along nicely at the moment. They're off to Adelaide this weekend. We'll catch up with Rob McCartney. A bigger Picture look at the Hawks and their evolution under Sam Mitchell is on the other side of this break. Great to have you along for the captain's run. Just before we duck out to Waverley Park, I appreciate all the text coming through on Tom Jonas. There was a question earlier around how he was not named in Port's Sandfall team uh, and Port Adelaide have been in touch as well. So for those unfamiliar, a lot of you are off the text as well, very learned audience. He's been named in the uh, as an emergency, obviously for the AFL squad, so can't be named in both teams. And is a genuine emergency in the sense that if uh, obviously one or two defenders go down, he's going to play in the AFL team. But all things being equal, he will line up in the Sandford this weekend. Right, well, it might be a challenging time for the Hawks off the field at the moment, but, gee, there's a lot to embrace and a lot to look forward to on it. There's been bold list calls, bold selection calls, but the players appear engaged and definitely competitive. The Hawthorne head of football is Rob McCartney. Good morning to you, Rob. Appreciate your time
4: this morning. Thanks, Sam. Um, Yeah, looking forward to to the weekend and the game against Port.
1: Geez, for a a side who's been accused of cutting too deep and then tanking and whatever else has been thrown your way, things are going along all right.
4: Yeah, look... um, Oh, I think we'd, we'd shown a little bit of improvement even before that West Coast game, um, the GWS game and the Adelaide game. Uh, a little bit earlier in the year, we got close enough, just couldn't get over the line. So mm. it was nice to get a little bit of reward in the last couple of weeks. There's a different sort of scrutiny when you're
1: rebuilding or transitioning, it seems. I mean, clubs at the pointy end are obviously debated endlessly and daily, but there's a unique scrutiny, I reckon, and dissection with sides in your position. Everyone's keen to tell
4: you how to do it, Rob. Yeah, well... Um and look, that's that's the beauty of our game, and and that's I suppose that shows the passion that people have for our sport, and that's why you know big numbers come and watch, and mm-hmm. and big numbers consume the game. So it's it's part of of what the game is. But as as we know, you know when you when you're in the inner circle, you you are very much around you know strategising for for improvement and growth, and and for us it's strategising for for our next flag. So um, maybe we go a little bit deeper. Maybe we have a little bit more knowledge of, mm-hmm. of what. Needs to be done, um, but we do we do appreciate the game does bring bring passion from from all sides outside, and 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 so it should. That's what makes it great.
1: Yeah, very kind there. So just on that inner circle and the strategising you speak of, I mean, how strong will do you have to be? The need to have not only a concrete plan to rejuvenate, but the stubborn persistence to stick to it, Rob.
4: Oh, look, I think I think history shows that that those that do genuinely get some sort of of growth and spike and improvement. And those who don't, um, I think they tend to take a little bit longer to to get to where they want to go. So, Mm. you know, the history of our game tells us that, you know, while the noise can can sometimes be deafening at times, um, you can't afford to blink. Speaking
1: of Hawthorne head of football, Rob McCartney. So Rob, the Hawks, your side are one of only three clubs to take more than one pick uh, on Wednesday night, mid-season rookie draft, of course. I think there are only 13 picks in total. But Clay Tucker, Brendan Ryan, so a ruck and a key forward respectively. What was the thinking there?
4: Oh, look, um, unfortunately, you know, Max Lynch has has succumbed to another concussion, so he won't play again this year. He's on the long-term injury list. So just adding to our ruck socks, we always knew that that was probably something that we would need to do in the next, to 18 months um, when clay was available at pick three we were pretty excited to be honest um, we got seen pretty closely through box Hill We even played on the weekend against Essendon so um, we were we were pretty keen to to get that number read out and clay's name read out um, the other one was that I think the start of the season you know when Mitch Lewis wasn't playing um, it did just show that we were we were a little bit um, shallow in terms of our tall forwards and Brandon's done a great job at BFL level, it's a an extra step, of course, to to play at the elite level. But um, yeah, we're keen to see what he can do in this next next period of time at our footy club. But you know, I met both the boys, and they were both training yesterday. Hmm. Um, quality lads from quality families. Um, they'll give themselves every chance.
1: Just on the boys and their families, how do you introduce them, Rob? I mean, I think the families came in yesterday, and and what well, did they address the team?
4: Oh, look, we um we brought them into our pre-training meeting. Sam's really. Really fantastic around how he has, you know, more or less brought the broader circle of of our players' families and our staff's families as well closer to closer to the game and closer to our club. So, yeah, they um, they were sitting along the side, and and the boys um, they got up and were introduced by by uh, two other tall lads in in Mitch Lewis and and Ned Reeves. They did a bit of a spiel on both Clay and mm. and Brandon, but and Brandon and Clay needed to introduce their. Their families, and that was a great little moment too. We, we, uh, we made sure that the dads knew that they needed to get ready. We have a, a Father's Day training session coming <laughs> up soon, and right. um, Finn McGuinness was quick to tell them that his dad Scotty, you know, tore the hamstring last <laughs> time and had nearly a twenty-week injury. So do the work before that day. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's right. Don't leave it like the last day of uh, school holidays to do your homework. Uh, the, the yeah. list the list build plan, Rob. I mean, how have you wanted to? I'm from the outside looking in. I mean, can I ask, has it been a f- with a focus to build from the midfield out or or is that approach dictated to, you know, by the draft talent year upon year that's available to you?
4: I think that, you know, that early pick you take is is always based around talent, particularly if you've got, an, you know, one within that sort of first 10, I suppose. Um, so it's, it is talent-based. Um, but, yeah, look, we have we have a real understanding of, of what we started with. We felt... We were reasonably, I um, well not, I wouldn't say strong, but we were, we were, we had more of, of the stocks that we needed in our back end, um, and we definitely did need to build out our, our midfield and our, our front end of, of, our club. So you know, we've been working over time to, to find the right mix in that midfield, and we, we feel like we're getting a little bit closer to seeing what it might look like. Um, mm. You know, Newcomb and Day and Nash and. And even Young Ward and and uh, uh, and McKenzie, you know, they're they're still very much in the early phase of their journey. But we we think that we're starting to see what twenty and forty more games might look like. And and I think you only have to look at at Port Adelaide, like you know, Rosie and Butters are now around about that eighty game mark. Um, you know, Newcomb for us is on thirty eight, and and Days on forty. So if you put two more seasons into into Newcombe and Day, could they be, you know, the players that Rosie and Butters are right now? And and we're going to do everything we can to to build in that manner, um, get them to play together, get them to spend time, getting that you know synergy of of knowing what each other likes to do and and being in the right spots and predictable that allows you then to, you know, build team cohesion and score. Mm. So some of, well, a
1: lot of this precedes Sam as coach, but I think six first round picks used in the last four drafts. So do you keep hitting the pointy end of the draft this year, Rob?
4: Yeah, most definitely. We still, you know, we still need to to add to the top end talent stocks of, of our list. So the draft will still be really important. You know, we've positioned ourselves well, um, you know, through our our management of our, our TPP to to actually start to look at free agency and trade um, in the next couple of years as well. But, yeah, the draft still remains something important to us.
1: Yeah. Um, and from a needs perspective, is there one? What is the obvious answer to that?
4: Oh, look, you know, I again go back to, you know, the early part of the mm. season and Mitch Lewis not playing. I think, you know, we, we'd love to have, you know, a, another tall forward to support Mitch. Mitch has played 50 games. Um, so he's another one of those players we think in another 20 or 40 games is going to continue to grow and improve. But putting someone beside him and Cosie and and uh, and building, you know, some some real dangerous aerial threat uh, is is something that's going to be important for us. And you know, we still think maybe a, a taller. Uh, general defender would be, would be good for our team as well.
1: You touched on free agency. Obviously, Carl Amon uh, came in last year. The trade period, you've been pretty active with as well, not just with the high pub, publicised guys going out, but obviously Lloyd Meade, Cooper Stevens uh, coming in. When it, when it comes to attracting players, particularly via free agency, Rob, I mean, I'm, I'm curious as to what your opinion on this is. What, what holds more weight? Is it, is it room in the cap and obviously cash to spend or is it being in premiership contention? Because it's rare that you'd have both.
4: Yeah, look, I think I think there's there's players who are who are genuinely looking at at um, you know probably either of those things. Some setting themselves up for a longer period of time and and can go on the journey with you if it's a you know two or three year journey that that is required to get to that pointy end of September. And then there's other players who are are needing it because they can see the you know, the end of, of their playing days coming a little bit quicker and, and you know, for those players they're probably looking at at um, you know, a side who's a little bit closer. So there's there's a number of things that come into into play and, and you know what we're selling of course is that we think we're building towards that. We think that, you know, it's a a great journey to be part of, come in on the on the early phase of it, um, um and, and watch it grow and, and feel like you've actually painted the canvas, not sort of been given it as yeah. a as a finished product.
1: Yeah, I think that's a powerful sell for sure. What about the guys that are already there that are obviously out of contract, Rob? I mean, I'm not sure how much you can say about these guys, but uh, whether you're looking to re-sign them or not at the moment, but names that roll off the tongue, obviously James Warple, uh, Jarman Impey, I think um, uh, Kaczynski's out of uh, contract as well. Can you give a quick summary of where those guys might be at?
4: Yeah, look, we're all, you know, you're constantly working with this throughout the, the season. It's, it's amazing. Most clubs that nearly have half their list each yeah. Season at the start of the year that are that are out of contract, and you've just got to work through them. Um, you know, as you as you progress through the season, I I feel like the Jarman Impy one's quite close. Um, Jarman's been a a fantastic asset to our footy club, um, both on the field and off the field. Um, he's in now our leadership group, which we call our mortgage cooter. He's he's a respected young man um, with the way that he goes about his business, but the care and and uh, and respect that he shows for others is is second to none. So we're really keen to to lock Jarman away and I think that's getting closer. Um, the other two, you know, conversations are, are going to obviously start and and continue to progress. Um, you know, both players that you spoke about, you know, Warps is, is having probably his resurgent season this year in, in terms of numbers. We've been really impressed with how he's sort of gone about his work after a year that, you know, he'd probably prefer to to not have had um, but he's yeah probably playing some of his best footy getting back to that Peter Crimmins medal sort of form so yeah. we're looking forward to James you know continuing his footy with us and Cozzy's just got back in the team and and I think you know what we have seen is that when both Cozzy and, and Mitch are playing well it's good for us
1: uh, they look dangerous, absolutely. Uh, as do the side as a whole. You'll miss James Sicily, Rob. That goes without saying. But uh, Luke Bruce steps up as captain. And uh, there's so much to admire about the evolution of your side. So really appreciate you joining us this morning, mate. And best of luck for the weekend and beyond that.
4: Thanks, Sam. Good on you.
1: There's Rob McCartney there, the head of football at the Hawks. A break. A lot of text coming through. Who's conquered their goal-kicking yips? We'll get into that after this.
2: The captain's run with Sam Edmund.
1: Tell you what, I've got some great nominations here for not just key forwards, but players who have faced their goal-kicking demons. We do quickly forget, and a lot of them... Overcame them spectacularly. So, hey, buddy, bet users, you want to follow the SEN captain's run account, comment or like on the jackpot group for tonight's game. What's gambling really costing you? For free and confidential support, visit gamblinghelponline.org.au. So, 0433981116, temper a mattress like no other. I want some more. I'm, I'm compiling a list of names here midfielders, forwards, those who just went through an absolute nightmare in front of the sticks but were or were not able to turn it around. Uh, Some great feedback, too, for Rob McCartney at Hawthorne. Uh, Loving Rob's actual answers rather than vanilla or generic ones. We 100% need more quality tall forwards, and it's great to hear Rob acknowledge that rather than just rolling out, quote-unquote, best available. Uh, Kane Pittman is going to join us shortly. We're going to go to Denver stateside, game one of the NBA finals. Geez, not too far away now between the Nuggets and the Heat. But after the news with Vanessa Gibson, I'm just going to read through some of these names. Players who have conquered their absolute demons in front of goal. Harry Mackay is that at the moment. Back
2: shortly. The captain's run with Sam Edmund.
1: Yes, indeed. T-minus, one hour and counting before the Schnitz delivery. Uh, anticipation absolutely probable in here at SEN. Uh, Tom Hawkins had massive problems with his goal-kicking. 2009 grand final, he was giving them off 30 metres out straight in front. I vividly remember Tom Hawkins' goal-kicking yips, but boy, oh boy, isn't that a thing of the past. Chris Maine says Michael went through some goal-kicking yips too despite being a dead eye in the league for a while. Not a key forward. How could I forget this one? Good on you, Billy. Lewis Jetta started his career with zero goals, 19. And in fact, Dave follows that up with a text. 19 behinds for the Swans before his first goal, Lewis Jetta. I remember the mixture of relief and humor in the stands when he finally nailed his first one. Jimmy's in Morty Alec. Alistair Lynch was a shocker kicking for goals at the Roys. He had to go to the back line where he became an All-Australian fullback. He was much more reliable uh, in front of the sticks up at the Brisbane Lions. Maddie Lloyd went through a goal kicking drought. We're told Uh, This one from Matt, maybe not goal-kicking yips, but Jesse Hogan at Melbourne kicked 152 goals in 71 games and completely fell apart at Frio, 18 goals in 19 games, resurrected his career at GWS, 74 goals, 36 games, and looks good at the Giants, worth a mention. He was immense down at Geelong at the weekend, I thought, some unbelievable pack marking from Jesse Hogan. Steve, Nick Rewalt, and Stewie Lowe both fixed their yips, Peter Hudson fixed uh, buckets low. Johnny Butcher, says Louis, never fixed his goal kicking and his career ended because of it. He was aptly named Johnny Butcher. I remembered that. That goal kicking technique was never working. And another one on Nick Riewoldt here. The great Nick Rewald had a season and a half of serious goal kicking yips. Richo had a career full of them from close range. Kent Kingsley was so bad in the end, he was kicking it along the ground. That's right. Forgotten Kent Kingsley. Levi Casbolt worked really hard. Actually, he's a good shout, Levi Casbolt and he turned it around after the media decimated him for two years. It's very common. Hawkins kicked bags of behinds last year. Hopefully Harry kicks six straight and you mugs will leave him alone. That's a talking point, isn't it, in football? If a key forward is missing his shots in front of goal and the team's losing because of it, it's just part of the game. It's part of the football conversation. Uh, and our All-Australian conversation tour around Darcy Moore being a late amazair for the captaincy. Dan, Zach Merritt has been a great captain. Good on you, Dan. You're down in Torquay there. And Zach Merritt says hi, says Michael, for the captain. He'd be right up there in the brown low, too. He's having some sort of a season at the Bombers. And this one, I'd have Toby Green as All-Australian captain before Darcy Moore easily. Jeez, I'm not sure about easily. Might be in the conversation. I'd still go Darcy Moore. Personal choice. Hey, for Hoop City, by the way, keep your texts coming through. 0433981116. That's the 40 Wings temper, of course and I'll read them out as the morning unfolds. But for Hoop City, Australia's number one basketball academy and facility, time now to head over to the US. Well, the NBA Finals features the best team in the West against the eighth-ranked team in the East. And on paper, Denver against the Plain Survivor Miami is a landslide. But the NBA Finals aren't played on paper, and the Nuggets' first Finals appearance is something of a foray into the unknown. Game one is just a few moments away at Denver's Ball Arena. ESPN's Kane Pittman is there, and he joins us this morning from Colorado. Kane, hello. It's all come down to this.
0: It has, and I think last time we spoke uh, during the Denver and LA series, I'm not sure whether we thought that Miami was going to be the other team (laughs) in the series, but me included, I think they've proved a lot of people wrong along the way so far.
1: How's the city over there? So four major sports, I think. I hope I haven't left anyone out there in Denver. So the Broncos, the Rockies, the Avalanche, but I'd imagine they've wrapped their collective arms around the Nuggets, Kane.
0: Yeah, they have. And it's obviously historic the first time that they've reached the NBA Finals. And I think you've really sensed it over the last few days. We've been here uh, for about 48 hours now. And uh, I mentioned the amount of media at the conference finals, but we had media day yesterday. There is hundreds of people that are coming in. The players are cycling through uh, their interviews 24 hours out from game one. So the city is definitely going a uh, a little bit crazy here. And I think the businesses are doing well, I'll say that.
2: Yep.
1: So the path to get here, Kane. I mean, the Heat beat Chicago, but then shocked the Bucks and the Celtics, the Nuggets overpowered, you know, Durant and Booker in Phoenix and then LeBron and Davis in LA. What, what do we make of the respective run-ins?
0: Well, the Nuggets has a number one seed. I, I guess you could say we're expected to be in this point. They certainly believe that. As far as Miami goes, they've taken down the one and the two seed, as you referenced, and they have been the big surprise. And really, this is a historic run. Uh, to this point but the similarity these two teams do have is the fact that they've never trailed in a series yet uh, in the 2023 playoffs and the loser tonight is going to be in that scenario and they've come into game one with very different preparations miami had to go to seven games against boston that game was only three days ago whereas the nuggets have been here at home in the altitude for the last nine days and getting themselves ready to go so that is a big question mark is it better for the heat to come in having played uh, this tough series and the Nuggets may be a little bit underprepared uh, after having such a long layoff. So really, that is a big talking point leading into game one. But so far, both of these teams have played from the front.
1: So what does a team like the Nuggets do with a, basically a week and a half off to sit on their hands? I mean, is that that's a long time, isn't it?
0: Yeah, I sat down with Nuggets guard Contavious Caldwell Pope yesterday and asked him that. And even if you think back to the All-Star breaks during the regular season, these guys might get seven days off. So this is really the longest break you could possibly have at any stage in the season outside of of when it's all done and dusted. So uh, he said himself, I mean, they were going through some hard five-on-five scrimmages. They weren't even really able to do a lot of video. They watched this series between Miami and Boston intently, and it was when that series got to about game six, they started doing video for both teams and preparing for either option there once it got to elimination stage. But look, he said that it has been a little bit strange. He just tries to keep himself focused, not get too worked up. Uh, but I, I think even for the players themselves, this is a situation they've never been in.
1: Yeah, it's a long time to think about it, isn't it? And there, I guess there's been a narrative in some quarters anyway, Kane, that maybe this wasn't the final series that the NBA wanted or some wanted, but the thing about it is that you got Nikola Jokic, Jimmy Butler chasing that ring. So the superstars in either corner, now how much depends on which one can impose themselves on this series the most?
0: Well, if we base on what we've seen throughout the season, uh, I think that the Nuggets... When you look at their role players, the way they've played in combination with Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray, your two all-star caliber players, it feels like the Nuggets have more firepower. Jimmy Butler so far in Game 1s in the postseason, 35 points against Milwaukee, 25 points and 11 rebounds against the Knicks, then 35 points, 7 assists and 6 steals against Boston, he's been massive. And he has been the reason the Heat have been able to get off to these quick starts. And it does feel like he is going to have to shoulder, again, just an absolutely monumental load for the Miami Heat to get over the top uh, of this Nuggets team. So uh, both of those players, whether it's Jokic or Butler, are going to have to be close to their best. But it feels on paper, and again, I've been wrong, everyone's been wrong throughout (laughs) this postseason, but it feels like the Nuggets have a little bit more firepower. So you might say that more pressure is on Jimmy Butler to carry this Miami Heat team.
1: Kane, just on Jokic, to be honest, he was ridiculously unstoppable at times against LA. Is there an (laughs) obvious matchup for him?
0: Not really, but it is going to be Bam Adebayo for the Heat, and the Heat head coach, Eric Spolster, at Media Day yesterday referenced the fact that they're going to have to lean on Cody Zeller coming off the bench. Kevin Love might have to spend some time there. As well, And and particularly when it comes to Love and Zeller, they fell out of the rotation late in the series against Boston as Miami went a little bit smaller. But in in his words, it's going to be all hands on deck for this series. They're going to need every one of those big bodies because another troubling aspect for this Miami Heat team is if Bam Adebayo is forced to defend the majority of the 48 minutes on Jokic and can't stay out of foul trouble then that is going to be a major storyline across this series as well.
1: And, And the tactical battle, Kane. I mean, what are the way the two clubs play? What will each try to impose on the other?
0: Yeah, it'll be fascinating with Miami because there's been so much talk about how much zone defense they use. This isn't necessarily common across the NBA, but Miami go to the zone more than any other team in the league. And when you are trying to stop a guy like Jokic and maybe not stop, slow him down, one of the big question marks is, uh, does Miami try and force Jokic to be a scorer rather than a facilitator? And maybe there is some school of thought that that might be the best way to go about this. So if you if you go to the zone, you stay at home on those shooters, try and get Jokic to, to become an aggressive scorer, which isn't necessarily his first go-to. He likes to get everyone involved. He likes to bring KCP and Aaron Gordon and Porter Jr., uh, these role players, into the game. And that's why the Nuggets offense has been the number one in the postseason so far. So, yeah, one of the big things I'm looking at, is Jokic aggressively looking to score or is he able to still dictate terms on offense? Because as you pointed to, Sam, I mean, he, he absolutely destroyed the Lakers for the, the the length of those four games. And do you see the
1: pressure, cane of the final series bringing either undone? I mean, I, I suppose you've got to generalize. You've got a group of unheralded, low-profile players at the Heat who've just kept stepping up. I mean... I'm not sure if this has been discussed, but can the bright lights potentially shrink them in the moment?
0: Well, it's going to be interesting because it's always hard to, to determine where the pressure is felt. But this Miami team has been so mentally strong right throughout this postseason. They've been the underdog and they're thriving on being the underdog. And really, they have got to this finals. And for I can sit back and say that this is historic. They should, they should feel great about where they're at. Um, but they certainly don't. So, are they feeling pressured to go and finish the job? They certainly want to. But if you're Denver, you are. I don't know what could happen in the, in the future of the game that you could get a better opportunity to win your first ever NBA title when you have an eight seed. And Miami hasn't played like an eight seed throughout this postseason. But this has only happened one other time in the history of the league, and it was in 1999, and that was a lockout shortened team. So, it wasn't a true indication of what the New York, New York Knicks did in that season. So uh, I do wonder with the nine days off, if you're a Nuggets player, uh, it would be hard not to think about mm. what is in front of you and then when you get the heat and not think that that title is so close within your grasp, particularly with home court.
1: And help me out, I think the other thing with Denver is they've been shooting the lights out, haven't they? I mean, so there's a question, you know, can it continue? I mean, some subscribe to the theory that, you know, purple patches like this just simply can't, simply can't last.
0: Yeah, well, that's the problem. Everyone looks at the NBA playoff series, and they think seven games is a long time. But any individual NBA playoff series is a small sample. And if you go cold at the wrong time across two or three games, that can cost you the series. So there is going to be a lot of elements of that. And when we spoke about Jokic, the facilitator, a lot of the times he's getting those guys open looks from three, and then the responsibility is on the role player to knock down those shots. So Look, you're absolutely right. Miami's been sizzling from the outside as well. Both of these those, these two teams have had success from out there. Uh, yeah, this is this is not the time to go cold because it can get out of hand pretty quickly.
1: And before we leave you, Kane, what are the two men who are going to be prowling the sideline? Eric Spolster, of course, at Miami and Malcolm Malone over at Denver.
0: Yeah, well, Spolster, I mean, uh, Spolster is widely regarded as as one of the best, if not the best coach in the league right now. But I think it's been fascinating to see Michael Malone and the way he's gone through this postseason with the media, particularly in the last few weeks in a in a really, really combative nature, even yesterday at media day, hmm. giving a hell of a lot of respect to Miami, but he was still talking about Nikola Jokic perhaps not getting enough attention and this Nuggets team going under hmm. the radar. Um, so as a number one seed, the Nuggets certainly don't feel, well, they're certainly publicly saying they don't feel like they've got enough respect through this postseason, but um, yeah, two, two of the more interesting coaches in the league.
1: Well, the final countdown to game one of the NBA Finals has been brought to us by ESPN's Kane Pittman. Kane, great to have you on again. Really appreciate you taking the time to share your insights this morning. Obviously, goes without saying, enjoy it there at Ball Arena.
0: No, anytime, Sam. Thanks, mate.
1: Kane Pittman there. And you can see every game of the NBA Finals live on ESPN. Hoop City, they are Australia's most advanced basketball training academy and facility catering to future basketball stars. Hey, Richard Hummister not too far away. Kayla Poulter en route to the Western Bulldogs for day one for him. What a whirlwind. Andy Harper on the eve of the A-League Grand Final. Now, Cam Luke is our Miles Fitzner replacement. Very, very capable replacement too, mind you. Uh, Richard Coyne as well ahead of his uh, big hike around the bay for Fight MND. That's still to come for McAfee our official coffee partner. And Luke Beveridge speaking today as well. We'll bring you, we might drop into that press conference shortly as well. Melbourne's weather today, partly cloudy, top of 15. was chilly this morning? That's for City Power, inspecting and maintaining the CBD underground electrical network. Welcome back. Great to have your company on a Friday morning, right here at the captain's run. Actually help me out for a second. Did I read something uh, during the week? I don't know if you can set me straight on this, um, my friends, but, the first round of each, the first game of each round has been won by the outsider in all but one week. Have I got that right? The round always starts with an upset. I wonder what that means for tonight if that is the case. And thanks to Blue Bet, you want to get around the Blue Bet app and download today. Bluey, we welcome in Richard Hummerston. Hummer, welcome.
5: Yeah, morning, Sammy. Well, the Punishers might be on to something here because the Blues, they've been back all week. In fact, it was about 80% of cash. But the last sort of 12 hours or so... Yes, they've come in. The Blues have come in $3.20 into $3, while Melbourne have drifted out to $1.35. Now, Mm. I I I spoke to you last night, it was about 75%, 80% of cash on Melbourne. Now only 65%. So uh, a lot of cash for the Blues this morning. Yeah. not entirely sure what the, what that is about, and the line as well is coming in. It's now into 15 and a half points where again they're, they're backing the, the Blues. so
1: yeah,
5: uh, yeah. yeah Pun just a bit confident on uh, on your your theory.
1: Yes, and I don't know why they would be, but the Blues value at the three bucks, as you are saying. I've got Melbourne at thirty nine here in front of me. I'm not sure if I've, there's a bit of lag with mine, but it might be, they might be lengthening by the hour at this point. So that's the AFL tonight at the MCG. What about in a matter of moments over in Denver there, up with the Nuggets hosting the Miami Heat in game one of the NBA Finals?
5: Well, you'd expect Denver just to absolutely romp the Heat, but the Heat just somehow keep finding a way. Dollar twenty nine, though no Denver in the first game, so pretty short here. Uh, and about eighty percent of the cash, Miami three dollars sixty four, and then the whole kit and caboodle. Denver very, very short, even shorter than dollar twenty nine. You're getting a dollar twenty five, but as I said, the Heat at four dollars, they just somehow keep finding a way. And this has been one of the strangest NBA seasons. Yeah you'll ever see. So who knows what happens. And just quickly before I go, I've just got a race tip that I'm just very confident on. So I need to share it tomorrow. Tomorrow at Flemington, race three, number three party for one, uh, one at dollar 75 last start, same grade. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's the same distance, same distance, same track, soft track as well. So number three, race three party for one, just have a, a couple of little shillings on it tomorrow. And, uh, just enjoy the rest of your weekend, Sammy.
1: Party for one—that's uh, Miles Fitzner over there in Bali at the moment. Hey, great to have you on. Hammer, really appreciate it. Uh, have yourself a great weekend. You want to get around the True Blue Aussie bookie? They are Bluebet. You can download the Bluebet app today. The question though remains: What are you really gambling with? For free and confidential support. Visit gamblinghelponline.org.au. This Sunday, 10 o'clock, this is your journey. I'm catching up with former Matilda, Amy Duggan, all thanks to Tobin Brothers celebrating lives. Of course, it is a World Cup year, FIFA Women's World Cup year in Australia and New Zealand very, very soon. And uh, Amy's going to join us as part of the countdown towards that. Text coming through still on Harry Mackay. Now, this one, Harry isn't just missing goals. He is completely shanking them and kicking horribly. A bit different to some of those names you read out who still kicked the ball well but were only just missing. Oh I mean, Levi Casbolt's the one though. Jason dropped this text in. He was the worst kick at goal in the history of the game until big Severio Rocker helped him. He changed his mechanics, his technique, and and Levi was able to leave his yips behind. I mentioned earlier with Nick Del Harry Mackay's podcast with his brother Ben. Well, straight off the top of their latest edition this week, Harry sat down and he addressed his goal-kicking woes and really opened, him, opened himself up into the, uh, the mental um, issues that he has with goal-kicking at the moment and how that not only affects him but those around him. This is a little bit of the Ben and Harry Mackay podcast.
6: Yeah, it's obviously a, a bit of a challenging period and personally, in terms of when one area of your game is just so glaringly um, off, I guess, mm-hmm. Um and in a very public space, um, it can be challenging. And the part that sucks is that like it affects the team. So on the, on, on Friday night, like if Charlie and I had to kick straight the reality is we would on the game. So yeah, there's one thing that it's for me, but I'm big enough and ugly enough to kind of deal with it. But when it, when it affects other people, that sucks. Um, and even just like after the game, like seeing your parents, like seeing Mum's face, like she's just real, she wears it and like mm. dad wears it and. Ash Hansen, like my forwards coach, he gets like he wears it because of what I'm doing and I don't necessarily think that's fair, but that's part of it. Like Vossi wears it, like Vossi gets asked about it flat out. So because of what I not doing well at the moment, it affects other people that yeah, maybe it shouldn't. But so that part's I find that part hard when it like it affects other people.
1: That was Harry Mackay alongside his brother Ben, the Ben and Harry podcast from earlier on this week. Uh, Luke Beveridge is speaking to the media. We'll play some of that audio shortly. They're actually back on deck at the Witten Oval today. First day back, the turf has been uh, relayed. Still a construction site there, but they're off Skinner Reserve for now. Um, Sammy, you heard it here first off the text. Tonight's match will be a draw. There you go. Harry Mackay is a Coleman medalist, of course, which brings us to our golden crumb for schnitz. We're not all about the big blokes, though, when it comes to schnitz. We're about the – this is the crumb is Coleman. And schnitz being the home of fresh golden handcraft schnitzels, it works perfectly. Charlie Cameron leads it, 32 majors. Toby Green, what a game he played against the Cats last weekend. 26, Jack Higgins, 22. Tom Papley, who's just stalled a tad of late, uh, the 20 majors for the Pap. Got that winning taste right now. Schnitz, handcrafted schnitzels made fresh, made just for you team minus half an hour until delivery. Also the countdown to the NBA playoffs. So we'll keep you, uh, finals rather, we'll keep you uh, in touch with uh, the latest scores from Ball Arena in Denver. Uh, Nuggets, raging favourites. Heat, the giant killers. Can they ask questions of Denver in game one? There was something that caught my eye during the week. Now I've gone into real cane corns areas with this. The decision for Fremantle to give Nat Fife a two-year contract I found absolutely amazing. So he's a guy 31 years of age, hasn't played a full season. Geez, you have to go back to 2019 when he got close, then 2017 for a long time. Um, Notwithstanding the fact he's an out-and-out star, but in the twilight of his career, did they have to offer him two? Was he going anywhere? Would one have been enough? Well, Kane agreed, of course he did. He said this uh, last night on Sports Day. Do Fremantle think it's 2019 or
2: 2023? They've committed to Nat 5 for another two and a half years, essentially. <laughs> he's missed 32 games in the last three and a half seasons. He averages about 11 touches per game. He doesn't kick goals, and he's about to turn 32. I'm staggered, but honestly, I wouldn't have been surprised if they said, wait to the end of the year, and if everything goes well this year, we'll give you a one-year extension. It's a big commitment for a player who's made a glass, with all due respect.
1: I agree. Do you? 0433981116. Uh, Dom, great interview with Rob McCartney. Do you think he indicated Hawthorne have joined the race for Ben Mackay? I think so. I'm hearing Port Adelaide for Ben Mackay, but that will play out. Back short. Vanessa, thank you. The open lines for EFS, they deliver simple freight solutions. And Ryan's joined us uh, on the EFS over in uh, WA. How are you, Ryan? Hey, Sam. How
5: you going there, mate?
1: What do you think about the Nat 5 contract?
4: Oh...
5: Cain Corns makes my blood boil. <laughs> he was a tagger. He, he was a poor man's AFL footballer at best.
1: Forget forget that. Forget that right. Forget all that. Forget but that. Oh, he was he Absolutely. was oh, well,
5: no he, not poor well, Stu brown those. He is him and Matt Pavlich there's they're the top dockers from the start.
1: Yeah, that that I might be the, that might be the case Ryan, but I'll I'll use Cain Corns's terminology. Do Fremantle think it's 2019 or or 2023.
5: Well, I burnt my foot with my coffee just then when I dropped it. So I think Kane Corns should get back in his box. Nat Fife, he's playing more than Nick Nui. The hell of a lot more. His stature, his word, his sitting in the box, his knowledge of the game. Uh, I think Kane Corns sometimes just need to consider what he's going to say before he says it.
1: Yeah, no, I appreciate the call, Ryan. And look, opinions are what makes our little footy world go around. I agree with him, though. I think there was no need to offer him two. Why wouldn't you only offer him the one? Plenty of magnificently credentialed players have come and gone before uh, Nat Fife and been happy with one-year deals for a long, long period of time. That doesn't say anything other than the fact that the club sort of protecting itself. Um, and in regards to Kane's credentials, I mean, he's a uh, dual All-Australian and four times the best and fairest winner. Certainly no mug. Played as a tagger, but did it as well as anyone. Nat Fife, superstar. No one's disputing that. Just the decision. Are they too loyal out in the West? Do they need to be? No one's going to come and grab Nat Fife now, and Nat Fife's not going to leave. Born and raised there. Docker through and through. The Brownlows, everything. The grand final appearances. All that water under the bridge. Could have easily offered him one and kept going. Anywho, uh, that's what they've done. Uh, I agree with Kane. And probably not often I would say that either, mind you. Hey, Caleb Bolter's going to join us, surely. Andy Harper as well. Cam Luke's filling in for the Magic Man. And Richard uh, coiner to join us as well. McCafe, our official coffee partner. Um, keep your text coming through as well on the 40 Wings Temper 043398 1116 and the open line we will come back to right throughout the show 1300 736, 736. the captain's run is for state transport Uh people are your solution great to have them on board as it is and you best chums at Eastside Skoda get on the good side at Eastside Skoda a Poulter Polter was on his way to the kennel earlier on today that's when we caught up with him and we'll uh, we'll hear that chat on the other side of this break Jungle Boy. An NBA update for Tyre Power. End of financial year sale is now on a course and the Denver Nuggets have shot out of the blocks at home game one of the NBA finals. Heat's staying in touch though. Uh, it's 27-20 in favour of the hometown Denver Nuggets. Very early going though. We'll keep you... Uh, in touch with that as the rest of the morning unfolds before we hand over to the pipe to Wayne Russell at midday. Andy Harper's going to headline our final hour after the news headlines with Vanessa. But all the talk at the moment when it comes to Australia's interest in world football concerns Ange Postacoglu. Of course, he's trying to get Celtic to the Scottish treble. They have Inverness uh, in the Scottish Cup final, Hampton Park uh, tomorrow. And that would be a clean sweep of major domestic silverware this season. Uh, but, of course, all the talk. In fact, the the talk has become deafening that he's headed to uh, EPL Giants Tottenham Hotspur. He was asked about it, of course, in uh, the lead up. He's been linked with Marseille as well in um, in France's Ligue 1. But has said um, uh, overnight, Ange Postacoglu, uh, in response to the questions around Spurs in the lead up, to this Scottish Cup final. Somebody else was favourite last week, wasn't he? So it doesn't register, Ange says. I get all the interest and why people love to speculate on these things, but we have worked really, really hard to get ourselves into this position. And for me to let my mind wander about anything else other than getting our team prepared for a big day on Saturday is just not who I am. So, watch this space. All sorts of reports that Daniel Levy, the chairman of Tottenham Motspur, plans to sit down with Ange out of the other side of this Scottish Cup final. So, certainly one to keep an eye on, certainly one to ask Andy Harper about as well as we sit on the eve of the A League Grand Final, the FA Cup final uh, tomorrow night as well, and the Scottish Cup final. It's a triple treat. Uh, on Channel Ten, Ten Play, and Paramount Plus. So Andy Harper will guide us through all that. Cam Luke will join us as well out the other side. Of that will talk all things racing and the weekend ahead there, and Richard Coyne as well. Fight MND, massive part, not just the sporting calendar. Uh, the big freeze at the G, but also um, I think our social conscience now into its ninth year and Richard Coyne is doing his bit for that as well. He'll join us a bit later on. We'll get to the newslines now with Vanessa keeping an eye on the NBA Finals Game 1 as well and love your calls and texts 1300 736 736 and Matt did Tim Zhu just make up the best word ever limitate? Excellent. Vanessa, thank you. We just farewelled Cam Luke. Uh, Jesse just dropped us a text while we were talking. Uh, Sammy, I I just got back from Bali and I saw the magic man at a bar in Seminyak. I overheard him telling the barman that he is quite a big deal back in Australia making... A lot of people, big money. Jesse, you know what made me laugh is that there's every chance that's actually true, and that's what made me chuckle. Hey, uh, thanks to Shell V-Power Fuel, the race day feeling. They've got the race day feeling over in Spain at the moment, in Catalonia, where uh, the Spanish Grand Prix is about to hit top gear this weekend. Looking forward to it. At the other side of Monaco, where the Red Bulls, i tell you what, Monaco was supposed to be where the Red Bulls were going to struggle. They didn't, and they're absolutely dominating. They've got a stranglehold on the drivers championship max verstappen sits atop that 144 points his teammate sergio perez the mexican uh, second with 105 points and unsurprisingly, they are murdering the Constructors' Championship as well. Red Bull 249 points, Aston Martin 120. Heading into the Spanish Grand Prix this weekend. Uh, looking forward to it, thanks to Shell V Power. Feeling the racing feeling with the Shell V Power racing uh, team. Hey, buddy bet users, follow the SEN Captain's Run account. You know that, but just a reminder comment or like on the Jackpot group for tonight's game, the Blues and the D's. Most disposals, I'm going with Sammy Walsh tonight. I'm doubling down. What's gambling really costing it for free and confidential support? Visit gamblinghelponline.org.au. Just some texts coming through on Ange Postacogla and what he might do next. This is Daniel's thought. It would be absolute career suicide. Ange, if he went to Spurs, better off staying at Celtic or any other Premier League club. Daniel Levy does not allow managers to do their job without his own input. Yeah, it's not necessarily a hot seat in the sense that you're going to get sacked like you would at Stamford Bridge in five minutes. But yeah, he's, uh, history would say that Daniel Levy is uh, has got his fingerprints all over all sorts of decisions um, that would uh, come across the coach's desk at most other clubs. So if that is, in fact... Uh, True, as it is often reported, then um, Ange would uh, would perhaps have a challenge when it comes to to Daniel Levy interfering in some some various things, but not the most not the most uh, not the hottest of seats in the Premier League. That's for sure. Sammy, I'm sorry if this sounds disrespectful. But has the A-League ever been more irrelevant than it is now? I had no idea the grand final was on until your interview with Andy Harper, uh, nor who was playing. I may be in the minority, but I wonder if the other listeners are in the same boat. You know, the lack of promotion for the A-League is something that has bugged me for a long, long time. You'd love to see it uh, get a bit more publicity. I think it would make a big difference. Um, The Women's World Cup will be a huge deal, though. I know we're talking international football now, but that will be huge when it hits, I think. Some people are going to get a surprise as to how big that is actually going to be. The Matildas, Sam Kerr, uh, riding shotgun, of course, in a home World Cup. Australia, New Zealand coming up very, very soon. The 40 Winks temper text is 0433 98 11 16. You can give us a buzz too. The open line is exactly that. 1300 736 736. Any topic you like in our final 20 minutes or so. Made possible by EFS. They deliver simple freight solutions. Uh, Fight MND, big freeze at the G. That's coming up, obviously, King's birthday weekend next weekend. And there's all sorts of fundraising initiatives around this, as you would expect. One of them being driven by Richard Coyne, who is hiking around Port Phillip Bay. And uh, he's going to be a huge thing. He's trying to raise a lot of money for it as well. So Richard, we had a chat to uh, recently. He's going to stop by in the studio here in about a couple of minutes' time, actually. You can uh, all join in the fight against motor neurone disease and don your Fight MND Big Freeze 9 Beanie. They are available right now. Uh, we'll take a break. Richard Coyne is going to be in the studio with us to talk all things Fight MND next. Welcome back. Just before we welcome uh, Richard Coyne back in uh, ahead of Big Freeze in the Bay. John's been uh, waiting on the EFS open line, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736
7: 736 G'day, Johnny. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, look, you got a little bit of a sore point when you mentioned the uh, the lack of promotion with Mm. the A-League. And um, look... there's no doubt it's become a little bit of a non-event. I mean, I, I um, my young fellow grew up barricading for Melbourne Victory, and, and we, we don't even know when the games are on these days. Um, I mean, he, he plays NPL, but um, I've had some interesting conversations with a, an NSL legend uh, by the name of Gary Cole that you, you, you may have heard. Yep. And, and even a few years ago, he mentioned that, you know, eventually the A-League will become a bit of a non-event because a lot of the clubs are made up of... Um, they're all their franchises without tradition, without heart and soul, and if they again revisited the N.S.L. situation or the old N.S.L. and, and, and had a look at some of the clubs, and and actually, rather than shutting the gate on them and actually uh, getting rid of them from the A-League, what they should have done is actually educate the public on how to, you know, how to conduct themselves, how to behave, because. Now, the round ball game has had issues um, for many, many years, and, and and all over the world now. I mean, uh, fans are a lot better behaved, and, and to be honest, you know, some of the AFL games these days, uh, there's a lot more, a uh, lot more trouble than there's some of the um, the old um, the old uh, NSL uh, games. But my my point would be that if they focus rather than shutting the gate and and disenchanting the old NSL fans, because everybody's just gone back and and are following the um the second tier football, the NPL 1 and 2, and I go to those games and, and there's often quite a few thousand people watching the game, so I would like the A-League aficionados to revisit the situation and rather shutting the gate, um, start talking about bringing those clubs back and educating the fans and providing adequate security so then people can go and enjoy the round ball game with their families.
1: John, thank you. Yeah, just stripping all that back. I'm not even uh, getting into fan behaviour and such. Just for the casual sporting observer, I think they could do so much better than what they are at the moment. It just comes back to basic marketing and promotion. And I just don't think it's there for the A-League. There's obviously a reason for that. But Jesus dropped off uh, the radar big time, I reckon, over the course of the last decade or so, um, where we get texts regularly saying, uh, didn't ever know it was on, didn't even know when they were playing, like you were touching on there. I I like it. I like watching it. I love the sport. I just think it could benefit with a, a shot in the arm from time to time. Hey, um, we need to change tack because Big Freeze in the Bay gets underway this Sunday, June the 4th. Richard his mate, Simon Polinelli, are about to uh, hike around the bay with the odd little freezing cold dip in uh, in Port Phillip and it all gets underway from the MCG this Sunday and Richard's back with us in the studio. How are you Thanks going, Rich?
2: Everything. Good. Uh, How's the legs body? Legs are good. Yeah. <laughs> Mentally getting there. Yeah. Um, I think we know that we've taken, mid-50s bloke, so we know we've taken on a bit of a challenge.
1: You were last in here three weeks ago, I reckon. So how would yep. you describe your condition and your preparation now as opposed to three weeks ago?
2: You've done um, the work? I've, I'm a hell of a lot better. Right. I've worked hard. <laughs> I've had to work hard, and the reason I've had to work hard is that Simon is an excellent hiker. He's the kind of bloke who walks around for 30 k's a day just to enjoy a walk. So I'm chasing him.
1: You just go to Vietnam recently. Did you get some heat training in over there?
2: Yeah, just uh, took a quick week's break, headed up there and um, found it 30 degrees, six o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Still had to do the walking. Built up a fair bit of a sweat, which built some blisters. So I found some... Found some challenges, but it, um, no, it was all good for, for getting on the road.
1: Now, you're doing it all, of course, for Fight MND. Now, you're yep. official uh, fundraising partner, if I can call you that. So, um, online, fightmnd.org.au, or you can simply Google Big Freeze in the Bay. Now, you've set a lofty target. We spoke about this last time you were in. Yep. You haven't been shy. You wanted to set an ambitious target, which was? We've set a target of
2: $250,000. Good on you. Quarter of a million. Um, not scared, and I think it... I think it motivates us in some respects, you know, we talked about motivation and respect for Mm. the Danaher family and for Neil. Um, we talked about the community and the community that have got behind it. So enormously over the last nine years, 10 years, um, and we just said, we've got to try and to be honest, Sam, we're not social media experts. We don't know how to reach the biggest audience and you helping us with moments like this, just to talk to people and say, can you help share the message, share the story or donate, if it's, um, in your capability to donate, we're not just going to sm- put a small target on that. Yeah. Every little bit counts, of course. And, yeah.
1: and I'll think out of the other side of our last conversation, you have a school reunion or something that you had to attend? Yeah,
2: well, the, I was in, in here on the Friday, um, that night was my 40th school reunion and I showed up to that and there was a few blokes there that said they'd heard it, yep. heard us having a chat about, uh, Big Freeze in the Bay and Fight M&D and, um, their awareness turned into donations awesome. and it works. So awesome. I'm, we're deeply grateful. Thank you. So for those who missed our last
1: chat, uh, you and your mate Simon are uh, going to be hiking around the bays. It's a daily dip in the water,
2: isn't it? Uh, 16 times. So six o'clock in the morning right. and at dusk at night. So we're okay. going to do it both times. And Twice a day. Ask people. So if you if you search up um, Richard Coyne, yep. you'll get an update every day where we're having the swim. Our first swim will be Sunday just on dusk at Williamstown Beach. We'd love people to just come down and have a swim with us and a bit of a laugh and just motivate us to keep on going.
1: And your chaperone is none other, your driver, than the ex-pro
2: golfer, Paul Maloney. Paul Maloney, uh, Singapore Open winner. Yeah, Um, He's taken time out of his very busy life and said, I'm going to give you blokes a hand. Um, He knows what we want to do. He's very supportive and he's an old school mate. He'd heard about it and said, I'm in. I'm interested though in his um, his approach, Paul's approach. This is uh, Richard.
1: Is he going to be the carrot or the stick? So is he going to cajole and encourage and persuade, or is he going to give you a
2: firm hand when well, you deserve it? It's interesting. It, the man's got a competitive streak, but he's also a very kind, gentle sort of bloke, and has worked in uh, human resources all his life since his professional career. He's been great counsel about we're we're going to be 64 hours together walking along the track. Um, as he said, he knows we're going to have some blow-ups, So he's there to mediate and he's going to help us through those tough moments. Well, I hope the cameras are rolling. When, when they we'll have are. a selfie stick. We'll see how we go.
1: So as I say, it gets underway June 4. You're going to be out there for a while. So you're hiking around the bay until June the 12th, of course. Yep. So this is, this is a, this is a marathon. Not well, a
2: where the forecast looks like yeah. it's on our side. So Does it? if you've looked out, if you oh, had a chance bugger. to look out. It's hoping you're it's looking really like going like to. No, no, no. We're we're good. We know we've got some northerlies coming, so we'll have head down and into it on our way home. But um, yep. no, it looks like it's... Victorian or the Bay is going to turn on a good one for us. So Love it. we're, we're pleased. So it is big freeze in the Bay. It's a magnificent
1: cause. We know that it's Simon uh, Polinelli and this man, Richard Coyne. You can contribute uh, via the official website, fightmnd.org.au. Uh, they are an official fundraising partner, of course, uh, in the quest to find a cure to, um, to kill off the
2: beast, which, which we're all supporting as well. And just one call out, Maccas are a big partner of yours, have been supportive to us um Coles have funded us for all of our consumables brilliant Ampol are helping us out with fuel to get us around so we're indebted to those and, the, and then behind that are some people that are just doing stuff for us that yeah. would rather m- remain private, but to them, thank you.
1: But are clearly donating their time, and surely money. their money as well Yeah, yep, yeah. To, to get just behind great it. People. Awesome. And it takes a lot of those to, to make these sort of things happen. So Richard, great to see you again, mate. Thank you. And we won't speak until you're done. Um, we might speak on the blower, maybe. We'll I'm, try to get I'm happy
2: to do a couple of calls yeah. in. Ross, your producer Let's said do maybe that. we'll call in next Friday, even if it's just for a couple of minutes. Tell you about the fights that we've had, tell you where we've got to, tell you whether we quit. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you won't do that. I know you no, won't. No, I won't, won't let you when I speak to you. So let, let's lock that in for next Friday. Okay. All right. Richard Coyne there with us. So We'll take a break. Our final break on the captain's run. And we'll tidy up and hand over to Dwayne Russell next. Well, we had AFL Nation's Nick Del off the top, Hawthorne head of football, Rob McCartney, ESPN's Kane Pittman. We had a chat to uh, game one of the NBA finals over there in Denver. Newly signed Western Bulldog uh, Caleb Polter joined us ahead of his first day at the Kennel. Andy Harper, ahead of the A League Grand Final, and Cam Luke joined us as well, uh, filling in for the Magic Man Miles Fitzner. Just a, a score check from the NBA, all thanks to Ty Power. End of financial year sale now on. At this stage, the Nuggets are going on with it. They are Denver 71, the Heat 55, and we're just approaching the halfway mark of the third uh period so a 16 point advantage for the nuggets who are in command at home at the moment in game one they blew it open in the in the first half um, 29-20 at uh, the end of the first period and then uh, outscored them 30-22 in the second period as well. That update, thanks to Tyre Power. Um, if you missed any of our conversations with Nick Del Rob McCartney, Kane Pittman, Caleb Poulter, or Andy Harper, Cam Luke as well, they are up and podcasted at sen.com.au. Um, Great to have a chat to Richard Coyne again, who just left us. JR's dropped us a text. We have a superstar of a man who is walking the Simpson Desert to raise funds for MND. Alan Whelan is his name. He came down to our footy club, uh, JR says, North Ringwood last week with all his merch. He's currently overseas, but once he's back, he will be getting ready to roll. There's a number of amazing people that donate their time and money to cause us such as finding a cure for motor neurone disease. I'm actually about to speak to one as well, Bill Guest, for a This Is Your Journey episode that will go to Air King's uh, birthday weekend. Really looking forward to having a chat to to Bill, who's done a lot of work in that space. Hey, the pipe, Dwayne Russell, Midday Madness, of course, en route, one 736 736 You want to grab a line? He's got Chris Anstey, Campbell Brown with him as well. Speak to you next week.